0: Welcome to the Books on Air podcast. I'm Suzanne Harris, and on our podcast, we talk to the authors about themselves, their books, and their ideas. Every book has two stories, and if you listen to this podcast, you find out the backstory behind every book. Joining me today is Melissa Farrell. And she's here to talk about her marvelous book, 12 Years in Alaska, A Spiritual Journey. Now, Melissa began her studies in many of the ancient and current wisdom teachings, communications, and psychology following an accident that resulted in a near-death experience. She attended classes with her mentor, Wally Skaggs, for nearly a decade She was on the founding board of a church whose philosophy was based on her teachings. She worked at the family-owned psychiatric facility for ten years. She received a bachelor's degree from Johnson College, University of Redlands, and a master's degree in comparative religions and ordination from the Aquarian Star Temple and Wisdom School. I can't tell you, Melissa, what a pleasure it is to welcome you to Books on Air. I told you from the moment I got you on the phone that I couldn't wait to talk to you. Welcome, and let's get
1: started. Thank you so much for this opportunity, and I really am looking forward to this conversation.
0: It's just so interesting, and as I said to you, I am so glad that you're here, because this is when we talk about the near-death experience. That's in the very beginning of the book, and I told you that I was right there with you and your brother when this all happened. But I want to start a little before then. I want to start talking about you a little bit. One of the things that I was curious about is that in the beginning of the book, you talked about, in the, in the preface, about being born an indigo child. Would you please explain that for me?
1: There's, um, there's been a big shift in the energy of the universe. And um, I noticed this first um, with a child, that uh, you know, a, f- a friend of mine. Uh, his her his her son had a, chi- uh, a child. Okay, and and the way that I see things, I could see this special light around this child, and and it just astounded me. And then I got pregnant with my own son, and here was another one of what I called the light children. It was for. It took a lot of years, but I ran across um, a PMH Atwater book written about the Indigo Children, and it's the color of of um, that generation has has an aura that she sees. (laughs) How interesting! Yeah, those are the Indigo Children, and they are very special. They are very special. Um, and they've been around for a long time, you know. Um, my son is now 43 years old, you know. Right. Not two and a half. (laughs) And, and there is, and there is another, been another shift. And so his children are crystal, end quote, crystal children. Again, there's, they're, they're just a little different. Their energy is different, it's clearer. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, sure it does. Yeah,
0: You're an empath, and you can see those auras, right?
1: Uh, empaths feel more than anything, but I can—I uh, don't see auras necessarily. I, I can't explain how it is that I see people, but I register it dif- people differently, and I can see them in shades usually of light and dark. You and I talked before
0: we came on about that. We talked about as a child when your mother read to you. That you didn't just hear the words, and you didn't just let it—the story—wash over you. That you actually see the movie in your head. You see pictures in your head. Is that right? That's correct.
1: Yes, I do. I, yeah, especially when I'm reading.
0: <laughs> and you and I are both like that. We both do that. I see pictures in my head as well. Now, I'm a former dancer. I guess you're never a former dancer. You're always a dancer. It's in your soul. But I see choreography. I see pictures whenever I'm writing. I see pictures whenever I'm reading. And I see choreography when I hear certain kinds of music because I've been involved in ballet and dance since I was a a child, like seven or eight years old. started teaching when I was 15, and I just assumed that everyone saw pictures in their head. I didn't understand that they didn't.
1: Yeah, most most people that I know don't uh, don't. Yeah, it's that's really special, and and yeah, I started seeing pictures in my head with mom reading poetry to me when when I was tiny. You know.
0: <laughs> I'm curious about the backstory behind the book because the the not near death experience incident happened in
1: 1964. Yeah, you
0: lived bit- life. Moved to Alaska in 1995, spent 12 yeah. years there, came back to California. When did the book declare itself that it wanted to be written?
1: When I left Alaska, I, I did so reluctantly. Alaska is my heart home, still is. Um, but my sister, my older sister, was taking care of our mom, who was having a little mini strokes, and her brain was being destroyed, and oh. she needed help. You know, she needed help. My, my sister needed help taking care of mom, so I That's when I left Alaska. I got down. <clears throat> you know, Alaska is up above Canada, basically. Driving down down the Alcan, I was about. I'd say, two miles north of the Canadian border when all of a sudden this book started writing in my head. And and I continued down <laughs> wow. in, into the United States with this book writing itself in my head. <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah. I get it. I mean, I, yeah. I get it. Sometimes that writing process just comes it's just there yeah it is just there yes so I don't want I don't want us to be nebulous with our listeners let's give them an overview of the book because this all starts with the near death experience and let's go ahead and tell them why is it called 12 years in
1: Alaska a spiritual journey okay so let's start there um the 12 years in Alaska were important because I am an empath. I was born an empath. And I lived in San Diego County with, you know, probably better than 100,000 people there. And I would absorb everything that of all of the people that were around me and, and, couldn't, and couldn't differentiate between what, I, what was me and what was them. It took a lot of years, uh, uh, you know, counseling, and, uh, you know, the, one of the reasons I got into psychology was to try to figure this stuff out, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, my younger sister married a man that was stationed in Eielson Air Force Base in Alaska. We went at my mother and my son and I one year to see to visit with her and see the place. Mama decided that that um, Alaska would be a good place for me. And I absolutely, I, we, we, you know, absolutely did. Uh, when we made that that trip, we uh we. We're driving along the number two highway in and, and Alaska. Got to this one space, my heart space opened up absolutely wide, and I said to my sister Terry, "Where are we?" And she said, "This is Salcha, Alaska," and that's where I ended up living. It's because there were only 900 people living in Salcha. Struck out over 35 miles down the highway and about 5 or 10 miles on either side of the Tanana River. there was I, So I could hear me, I could feel me, I could you know, deal with my own issues in that 12 years. For the first time? For the first time. Because there was quiet? Yeah. Because, because there was quiet around me, and I could get to know who I am. And that's when I started expanding on who I wanted to grow up to be, if that makes sense to you. It does. Yeah. So by the time that I started back in, you know, towards California, um, I know pretty much who I was. But this is a continuing story, uh, or not story. It's a continuing journey of my expression. So I am not the same person I was when I left Alaska. But I think that I'm a much better person than I was also.
0: The way that you've put the book together is really interesting. I thought when I first started to read it that it was an autobiography. And from what you just said, our listeners would probably draw that same conclusion. But that's not what this is. It's very different from that. You've written a series of 30 articles. I know because I counted them. (laughs) Yeah. And they fall into three different categories. For whom were the articles originally written? Were they, was that how you wrote the book, and over what period of time did it take you to put these thirty articles together? And then let's also talk about the categories that you have them divided into.
1: Okay, well, the categories are awareness anomalies and maunderings, Okay, and okay. The, and. They each have a, like a different character. The awareness are actually the, the uh, based on some of the classes that I took, a lot of the classes that I took, some of it was just you know the insights that I had, but mostly those are teachings that I wanted to share because they, they, those are the things that provided me with a foundation to work from when I was in Alaska doing my spiritual journey. Okay. Um, uh, the anomalies are unusual experiences that I had. Well, I mean, I'm putting unusual in quotes. Things like um, seeing ghosts, for instance. You know, uh, Black Dogs of Depression was... Uh, um, this is a, from one of the residents that we had at the ranch. This is what, what she called them, the Black Dogs of Depression. And uh, there's one article in there where, uh, you know, I explain about the black dogs of depression, that were well, actually they were black dogs that were charging, the car that I was driving. You saw? And, them. You know. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, you know, um, and uh, the mondrings are the the kind of things that, the the. Uh, you know what maundering is No It's like if you if you're walking if you're walking on a path through a forest that kind of winds back and forth and back and forth that's maundering. Ah Okay so these these are you know different insights and thoughts and you know that kind of stuff like that So it's that's why I, and I and I've got them you know each of the articles is labeled as to to what category it falls into Over what period of time did you write these down? Well, as I, uh, you know, I started the story started itself when I was driving down. Okay, I didn't have time to write them until I got all the way down into uh, California again and uh, found a place to live and blah 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 blah. Okay, and mm-hmm. but I had scribbled some notes and uh, and I just kind of. You know, typed them up on the computer as much as I could and put them away. It w- and I went to work, and I worked as a bookkeeper. Could not write when I was working with a you know f- between five and seven days a week right. as a bookkeeper. They frown on that
0: when they're paying you, don't they?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's hard to switch between the right and left brains that easily. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, I agree so i retired um i think it was in in uh, 2019 if i recall correctly i retired from the bookkeeping position and it took about another 3 months before all of a sudden here the book is starting to write itself again and that's when i started really writing it you know uh, so it, it took a long time but it only took me probably about a year and a half to wow. r- actually write the book and get it edited
0: you know it's just it's so interesting to hear about someone's writing process and how it all works because the creative mind is such a fascinating topic to talk about mm. and i know that those 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 people among us who have never decided they were going to write a book or never tried to write a short story, or have never done tried to do anything creative like that, even though it's this is a fact based book, it still requires that same kind of creative process, if you will yes. when you were going yes. through this, did you learn anything surprising about yourself? Did anything surprising happen?
1: Not particularly. Um, You know, I would say the hardest time that I had with a book was cutting it down.
0: (laughs) Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, because when you you first start writing, you write everything.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then getting through the editing process, I have a particular style, um, which is I think of as my voice, um, which I use by punctuation. This is something that I... St- started doing when I was uh gosh i don't know probably sixth or seventh grade I had developed this style of writing
0: you're talking about the capitalization and the small letters of the same
1: word like self and self aren't you um that part of that it's also the you know uh, hyphens the uh, you know the longer ones that you know um, uh, you know that show a pause. This is this. Is like if, you're, if I was talking to you, I would make this pause to come up with the next word because it emphasizes that word. You know, that's what I'm talking about, my style. It's a little different. I had a little problem with my editor about that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, don't do that. This is how I wanted to say it. Yeah, I can understand that. I can understand yeah. that completely. Yeah. You know, let's give... I know that the listeners are curious about the near-death experience. And how did that leave you? What, what are the, I guess, in your future life, what echoes come back from that near-death experience? Because that has to be something that once that kind of impact comes into your life, it it's like dropping a rock in a pond the the concentric circles have to never stop would you tell our our listeners about that experience
1: i you know it, it, yeah you're absolutely right in one sense and in another sense not so much um uh it, it the near death experience changes everything so so much that that it isn't a matter of growing through it and learning it little by little. I mean, you have the experience, and everything has changed. And, and I mean physically, emotionally, spiritually, um, you know, everything. Your, your outlook on life, everything changes. In that split second. Coping with that is another issue. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it is. I mean, yeah. I, well, because I, you, it's like you could become a different person.
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense yeah. to me. Because yeah. you've had an experience that not everyone has. I mean, I confess, I've never had a near-death experience like that. As I read through the first part of that, this is a car accident that you had with your brother. And you have written it so well, and this is a compliment from from me to you about your writing. You have written it so well that I was right there in the front seat with you and John. I saw through your eyes everything that you described that happened. And as you were in the hospital, as you were going through the recovery, your writing, your prose, is so clear and well-written that you will pull, you will reach out and you grab hold of the lapel of the reader, and you pull that reader right into your story so that they're with you looking through your eyes and seeing exactly what you saw and what happened.
1: you to make me cry. Thank you. Oh, I didn't
0: mean to make you cry. It's just that's very a, powerful. A no, no, no.
1: Happy tears. Happy tears. Good. Thank you,
0: because it was. I found it very powerful. What do you think the themes are? that go through the thirty articles.
1: Themes. I mean you know, I'm I'm not sure I can talk about themes. What I'm doing is is sharing what I learned through my years that I think other people would benefit from if they would be willing to look into it. Right. And my so my hope is that that uh, a reader will find something, even if it's just one thing out of that book, that helps them find their own life path. So many of us are so affected by our upbringing and our environment that we don't really know who we truly are.
0: Oh, especially in this day and time. Don't you think people are very
1: lost? right now and angry and fearful yes Yes. all of those things yes yeah yes absolutely
0: the cover of the book there's a photograph that's absolutely magnificent is there (sighs) is there some semblance or is there some uh symbolic reference to this mountain and what is it
1: okay this this is uh um a, a picture it's in it, and it wraps okay, because this isn't a mountain range, but uh, when when I was living in Alaska, I worked in Fairbanks and I lived in Salter, which was to the south okay and every and I shopped in Fairbanks too because Sal was really tiny um, and I would go down along the Isleson Air Force Base flight line uh, and this this peak would be framed between the tall, skinny trees. Ah. Oh. Okay, and it was, and, and it reminded me, you know how breathtaking Mount Fuji is for so many people? Right. Okay, there's this, that's, there's this kind of symmetry to, to the, that particular peak, it's called Mount Barbara. And it just so happened that the publisher that I use for my book had uh, different designs for colors and uh, covers, you know. And I went through, t- you know, I can't tell you how many. And all of a sudden, here is this picture of of Mount Barbara. Oh, wow! So that's why I picked it. <laughs> Serendipitous. <laughs> that was like kind of bringing a piece of Alaska to my readers. <laughs>
0: You know, that's exactly how I interpreted it. That's exactly what I thought. I looked at that, and I thought, well, this has to be in Alaska. It just has to be. It looks like it.
1: Yes. Yeah. And I've seen Denali, and Denali is impressive, okay, but I prefer Mount Barbara. There's just something
0: about it, isn't
1: there? Yes, there is. Yes, and I think it has to do with the symmetry of of the peak itself.
0: Yeah. Well, this is just a fascinating book, and I'm sure that our listeners by now are going, okay, okay, stop talking, tell me where I can find this book. It's on Amazon, so let me do a little titling and a little spelling so that you could find it easily. Just go to Amazon, and they have a drop-down menu if you've never done that. just There's a list where they start listing things. If you'll just click on that little downward arrow books will come up make sure that you put books in your in your search feature here is the title of melissa's book it's 12 years in alaska colon a spiritual journey by melissa m e l i s s a l letter l period Farrell. F-A-R-R-E-L-L. Put that in your search feature. Click on it. The book will come right up. You'll see that gorgeous photograph of Mount Barbara right there on the cover. Click on it, and it's available in paperback. It's available in hardback and and in Kindle. Now, I know that there's also a way to get to the excerpt. In the upper right-hand corner, you'll see words that say, open here, or something to that effect. I didn't know what that meant. If you'll put your cursor on those two words right there on the representation of the cover and just click, the book will open up, and you'll get to read an excerpt from the book, and it just so happens that it's, it's what we've been talking about. It's the near-death experience and Barbara being in the hospital. You'll see what I mean about her writing, how she pulls you right in. Now, Barbara, I know that – Barbara, listen to me. I've got Mount Barbara on my mind. So, Melissa, I've decided to call you Barbara. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Shift, shift. All right, Melissa. (laughs) (laughs) Melissa, I know that, that sometimes people don't want to buy their books from the largest bookseller in the world. The book is available some other places. Let's give them a list of the few where they can find it.
1: Um, I know that they can can find it at Barnes & Noble. I have gone up myself and and seen that there are about five other places that are carrying it. Uh, but I don't remember the names. So I would recommend that what they want to do is to, if they want to buy it someplace else, is to run a search on the Internet. Just put your name in the Google. Book.
0: Just put your name in uh, Google.
1: Well, you have to do the same thing, um, you know, uh, 12 Years in Alaska, Melissa L. Farrell, because there's a lot of other Melissa L. Farrells on there. (laughs) I'm sure there is. Now, they could get it from your website, right? Uh, Yes, they can also get onto my my website, and there is a button where they can buy it, and that will be through uh, my publisher.
0: Let's give them your website address.
1: Okay, my web address is um, the number twelve. Oh, this you know this is www. Okay, the number twelve year years. Pardon me, y e a r s a k m l f a r r e l l dot com. No spaces, right? No spaces, and and the letters are all lower class uh, or lowercase, not class.
0: They might be offended, right? <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> but the yeah, but the twelve is are, are the numerals one, two, one and two. Yeah. Now when so, they go to
0: it. when they go to your website, they can not only buy a copy of the book, but you also have a blog
1: on your website as well. Tell me about that. Uh, I'm doing blogging. Yes, uh, it's a, it's a little slow um, because I have a lot of stuff going on in my life anyway. <laughs> For somebody who is retired. Uh, um part of you know part of it is uh has to do with something about the you know with something that would have been in the book okay but it but it wasn't sometimes they're are just quotes um i you know one of the longer articles that's in there actually is a duplicate of one of the articles in the book itself it just has a slightly different title to it. Uh, and I'm on the pro- in the process of working on another blog. Um, right, well, this week basically, I hope to get it done. It takes me a while to write things.
0: <laughs> you know, Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with yeah. how long the creative process takes. Now we're really about out of our time, unfortunately. But I yeah. always like to give an author. The opportunity to have the last word about their writing especially when their writing is as powerful as yours is when the readers when our listeners become readers and they pick up a copy of 12 years in Alaska and they sit down and they begin to read it I know this is not this is not a romance book this is a book that you'll sit down and you'll read and then you'll think about what you've read and then you'll read more and you'll think about what you've read but you will eventually come to that last page and you will eventually read that last page and close the back cover. When the reader closes the back cover, Melissa, what's the bottom line message that you want them to take away?
1: My hope for the reader is that they will find something in, in one or more of the articles that help them to... Find their own private, personal path in life. That's what, the, that's what this whole experience of my life has been for me, was to find the path that is right for me in life. And I just wanted to give the opportunity to people to maybe find their own. I, I
0: really love the book, and I love your writing, and I am so glad that you and I have had the opportunity to talk. It's just been a pleasure to have you on Books on Air today. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it tremendously.
0: Now remember, you can find 12 Years in Alaska, A Spiritual Journey by Melissa L. Farrell at Amazon. Barnes & Noble, and Google it, and you can find it some other places as well. You've been listening to the Books on Air podcast brought to you on webtalkradio.net. You can also hear this podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. I'm Suzanne Harris, and I so hope you'll join us for our next Books on Air podcast, because remember... You never know who's going to be here, and you never know who we're going to talk to. Thank you so very much for listening.